0: 03 Money Talk Good morning. It's 8:03 in Hong Kong on the final day of the week and the first day of April. This is Money Talk on Radio 3. Peter Lewis here with the business headlines. The Shanghai government has extended a lockdown in the east of the city, which covers the Pudong financial district, to nearly all of the city's 26 million residents. The lockdown in Pudong was due to be lifted at 5am today. However, the city government said late on Thursday it would lift the curbs in stages instead. Residents living in buildings where positive cases were found will remain under lockdown for 10 more days. China's manufacturing and non-manufacturing activities both slipped into contraction in March for the first time since last October. The composite PMI, which combines the two surveys, fell from 51.2 in February to 48.8, its second lowest reading on record. Hong Kong retail sales plunged in February as Covid restrictions started to bite. The value of retail sales contracted by 14.6%, the most since July 2020 and far worse than the median estimate of a 7.7% decline expected by economists. Russian President Vladimir Putin has set a midnight deadline for so-called unfriendly countries to start paying for gas in rubles, otherwise Russia will cut off supplies. Germany, Russia's largest EU customer, said it will not submit to political blackmail over gas imports. And President Joe Biden has ordered a record release of oil from America's reserves in an effort to bring down high fuel costs. The US will release one million barrels of oil per day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve for about six months. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Andrew Ferris from UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management and Sean DeBeau of US on Capital Asia. Also with us in the second part of the programme is Alan Zeman, chairman of the Langfai Kwong Group.
1: Money Talk on
2: RTHK
0: Radio 3. US Stocks suffered their worst quarter in two years, and their second worst start to a year since 2008. The S&P 500 fell 1.6% on the final day of the quarter to 4,530, taking its losses over the past three months to 4.9%. The Nasdaq Composite Index is down 9.1% over the same period. Yesterday, it dropped 1.5% to end at 14,221. And the Dow on Thursday slumped 550 points to 34,678, leaving it 4.6% lower over the quarter. Stocks were rescued from an even worse start to the year by a massive short squeeze in March, which saw the S&P 500 rebound by 3.6%. In Europe, the Pan-European Stock 600 Index dropped 6.5% over the quarter. The UK's FTSE 100, though, gained 1.8% over the past three months, helped by an abundance of commodities firms in the index. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng dropped 6% in the January to March period, its third quarterly loss in a row. It was down 235 points yesterday at 21,997. The tech index was down 19.6% in Q1 as a regulatory crackdown from Beijing hit the sector hard. The Shanghai Composite fell 10.6% in the first three months of the year and ended the quarter at 3,252. Commodities had their best start to a year ever. Bloomberg's commodity spot index soared 26% in the first quarter. Brink crude oil surged 38% over the quarter and is at $107.91 a barrel. Copper rose 6% in Q1. And gold had its best start to a year since 2016, rallying almost 6% to $1,936 an ounce. And wheat prices have climbed 31%, logging the best quarterly performance since 2010. Global bonds saw their worst drawdown on record in the first three months of the year, based on the Bloomberg Global Bonding Index, which fell 5.6%, and the US yield curve flattened by the most ever. On Thursday, the yield on the two-year Treasury note rose above that of the 10-year bond for the first time since 2019, an inversion that sends a possible warning signal that a recession could be on the horizon. Q1 was the worst quarter for 10-year US Treasuries since the early 1980s. The US 10-year yield rose by 83 basis points over the past three months from 1.51% at the end of last year to 2.35% yesterday. Two-year yields soared by 156 basis points over the same period. The US dollar index is at its highest monthly close since July 2020 and has rallied 2.8% over the quarter. The euro is trading at $1.107. The Japanese yen has lost almost 6% over the quarter, standing at 12186 Sterling is worth $1.31 and a half cents and 10 Hong Kong dollars and 29 cents. Chinese Yuan is steady at 6.35 and a half in offshore markets. And Bitcoin is down around 2% over the quarter at $45,500. And as we start a new month and a new quarter, in Australia, the SX200 off 0.1%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is open down 1.1%. In South Korea, the Cosby is off 0.7%. And futures markets pointing a further decline of over 300 points in the Hang Seng at the open this morning. (laughs) It's 8.09, and just as you thought you was about to have a good weekend, we bring you Andrew Ferris, who is uh, <laughs> Chief Strategist at UCOM, UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management. Morning, Andrew.
1: Oh, bless you, little boots. You really made my day,
0: actually. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sean Deboe is also with us, who is Chief Executive Officer at on Capital Asia. Morning, Sean.
3: Good morning, Peter.
0: I wanted to ask you both, first of all, about the Chinese manufacturing and non manufacturing PMIs. Both slipped into contraction in March for the first time since last October. The official manufacturing PMI dropped to 49.5 from 50.2 in February, below the median estimate of 49.8. The non manufacturing PMI slumped from 51.6 the prior month to 48.4 in March, missing economist forecasts for a reading of 50.3. Andrew, I know you don't like. PMIs and you have a lot of warnings about uh, the fact that it is sequential <coughs> data. But nevertheless, uh, this doesn't seem that good, does it? And it's not a good sign no. for where China's economy is, is heading?
1: For a change, it's almost backwards looking rather than forwards looking because uh, given for months now the insistence on zero COVID uh, approach to, to, to the control, it's hardly, hardly surprising that uh, pessimism uh, range through and uh, the the drops are relatively small i mean we have seen uh pmi is going down from uh, the mid fi- the, the 50 point level which is uh, which is the equilibrium level now it's neither too hot nor too cold okay well down to, to to below 40 and plus so yeah this is this is this is upsetting but i wouldn't say at all surprising you know the whole point of a forward looking index is to really catch you unawares Okay, this is so backward looking and it isn't i'm, I'm being very very unfair here that uh, i will not sit up and say goodness me look what's happening to the pmi in china after six months of strict control over over covid
0: sean if, if anything um it, the, the real situation is worse isn't it because this survey covers the period of the shenzhen and changzoon shutdowns but doesn't cover the entire impact of the shanghai lockdown
3: Peter, I think that these numbers, as Andrew said, are backwards looking. And if we look at what the markets have done, they've fully reflected this situation. There's three things that are causing these. Number one is that certain cities in in China, one by one, have closed down and opened up. Second is factories are having to keep staff in the site and work in very challenging circumstances or not work at all, as is the case with some of the automobile makers in greater Shanghai area and third exports were troubled mm. so this is something that the market's been anticipating the shanghai market was down roughly 9% in the month of march so i believe that this is well uh, well seen well expected and uh, we'll now be looking forward to see how covid is addressed in china and that is what's going to drive the market
0: so how how do you react to the news that the, the lockdown in Shanghai looks set to be extended, that the Pudong lock, lockdown was due to be lifted at 5 a.m. today? How have the government said that the, the curbs are now only going to be lifted in stages rather than having this two-phase approach with first the east and then the west entering lockdowns of five days each? This is only going to make the economic contraction worse, isn't it?
3: Peter, I think the market's very acutely aware of that, and again, the stock the stock market is showing that Um, the general expectation is we're going to unfortunately move from city to city having some challenges due to COVID lockdowns the extraordinary levels of prudence that the government is showing and that in, in turn is going to have impact on both consumer spending and manufacturing activity but we are aware of that what we're trying to do now is look beyond this and see when that's going to be behind us And I think that we will see over the summer, we should see a meaningful change in this COVID situation. It it has been the case in many countries that the summer brings uh, a relief from COVID. And -hmm. that is what the market is trying to figure out right now. When do the COVID lockdowns finish and when do we start to see back to work, back to shopping, which means markets start to reverse?
0: Andrew, how quickly do you think the mainland economy can get back to normal? I've seen a whole range of forecasts now um, about what's going to happen to GDP growth in the first quarter, ranging from 10 percentage points being shaved off of of economic growth to maybe just uh, 1 or 2 percent. What do you think?
1: One thing that always comforts me about the Chinese economy is that despite whatever we are collectively, well, some of us, at least, collective, some of us not collectively, thinking China is not driven by by net exports. China net exports, I emphasize, China is driven by consumption and investment. Therefore, China is, uh, in, in, in a strange way, when it comes to GDP growth, an inwards-looking economy, which means that whatever policy measures are being taken, uh, in a sense, leaves the external sector uh, in a lagged form unaffected, in other words, whether people buy Chinese goods or not, continues to be there, but, and that's a big but, it affects, of course, massively the domestic sector, which means that the recovery can be incredibly quick, because if China was effectively driven by exports, then, of course, it will depend on the global economy and not on itself. I know it's a little bit of a long-winded answer, but if you tell me how quickly can it recover, I am terribly tempted to tell you almost instantaneously. Again, I was lift all these, um, uh, let's say, counterproductive rules and also meaningless rules, ultimately, because China cannot be a tiny, a huge lake in the middle of a colossal ocean of uh, COVID, and the lake itself supposedly is going to stay uh, unaffected. For how long? Effectively forever? Of course not. So the answer is, is yes, it can be changed around in a quarter
0: okay um sean what about hong kong how how quickly can we turn hong kong's recovery around with no sign yet of the zero COVID strategy being lifted we had those retail sales data value of retail sales uh, contracted by 14.6 percent
3: peter with the i mean clearly that's a very difficult number and it's impacting a lot of families in hong kong in a most unfortunate way but looking forward i'm excited about the opening of flights starting today and i believe that many people particularly in the financial services industry have gone for a sojourn a little trip abroad to uh, relieve some pressure from their families but i think that we're going to see them returning home we know that because hotels are packed in april and may for the quarantine which suggests that there's a great number of people returning to hong kong and that is a step in the right direction but right now with people staying home and no tourism it was fully expected by the market that we would see challenges in the retail sector.
0: Um, Andrew what about uh, what about Hong Kong what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, it remains exactly the same as it has been uh, before and that is on on one hand one appreciates the sincerity by which the government uh, is implementing and trying to be flexible. And the second point, it always by necessity leaves out the question for how long will this go on? And if the answer is, is till we have under control, whatever that means, infections means it, it, is, it is indefinite. I'm, I'm afraid I'm not as, as hugely optimistic as far as uh, the flights uh, back are concerned. One tiny little detail that was missed out, the... Uh, prohibition of flights on nine specific from nine specific de- uh, destinations simply meant that Hong Kong uh, residents can now fly freely from uh, uh, UK, United States, France, Italy, and so on. Not everybody. Mm,
0: that's a good point. Uh, this is very, this
1: is very Hong Kong driven. Okay, does not mean welcome Italians, Welsh, Frenchmen, welcome Americans and British. No, sir. Okay, this is only honkies. People like uh, myself with their Hong Kong. Uh, Outfull uh, permanent ID
0: card. Okay, let me ask you both finally about the markets. I suppose one of the big features, Sean, of the first quarter in the markets was this sell-off in global bonds, the worst drawdown on record, in fact, in the in the first three years and also in the first three months of the year, and also the flattening of the US yield curve. And what do you take from that?
3: So, yes, right now at 2.33, 2.38, we are in a very flat uh, environment, which generally suggests that we have a recession ahead. I don't think that there is a global recession ahead because I think the U.S. economy is still strong, and I think parts of Asia continue to be strong. Without the U.S. going into a recession, we cannot go into a global recession uh, but there is a great deal of diversions. Just taking a look at what happened in the past, we have 147 decline in the A share, but we've got uh, star markets like uh, Singapore up 9%, Jakarta up 7.5%, Thailand. So. There's uh, two different modes going on. I think when we look forward to the coming quarter, there's going to be a great deal of focus on commodities. The one that we're particularly excited about is agro-commodities, as the Asian companies are able to grab the opportunity of the unfortunate uh, decline of production in other countries. So I think that agricultural securities, particularly uh, based in ASEAN, are very interesting.
0: Andrew, the um, the markets are pricing in now nine rate hikes from the Fed this year. That means there's going to have to be a couple of 50 basis point ones. Is, is there the risk that the Fed is just going to over tighten now to compensate for its lack of action and tip the U.S. into recession?
1: Yeah, well, I don't think it's a matter of tipping into recession. I, I'm i quietly putting my bets to, to three increases and then, uh, and then perhaps a pause. Uh, this idea of... Uh, we're going to hit very, very quickly a near 3% uh, interest rate. seems to be a little bit exaggerated. And I will never cease. I'm sorry, uh, Peter, if this is my needle is stuck. Kovoda, uh, governor of the Bank <laughs> of Japan, said, I am continuing with uh, quantitative easing. I <laughs> will see that the two-year and the 10-year bonds are not going over. Take a deep breath. 20 basis points. Okay? Mm. The third biggest economy in the world okay, is flat out to keep interest rates to near zero. People's Bank of China cut interest rates. It's only good old year say that it is hanging on there. Okay, uh, saying that we're going to go up by, by mm. nine steps or seven steps or whatever it is. It's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit difficult to believe without at the same <laughs> time thinking that this is going to tank out completely the US dollar. And before I leave, has anybody heard this story I'm, I'm fascinated by this I was really t- taken unawares that the ruble is going to be pegged to the to to, to the gold uh, to
0: gold have you ever heard of that <laughs> like to see them what try oh, Okay yeah. well thank ah, okay. you both thank you both very much you heard there Andrew Ferris chief strategist at UCAP Hong Kong asset management Sean Debo who is chief executive officer at US on Capital Asia <laughs> You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. The Times 821, and I'm pleased to welcome back to Money Talk, Alan Zeman, chairman of the Lan Kwai Fong Group. Good morning, Mr. Zeman. Good morning. Um, so today's an important day, isn't it? Bans being lifted on travel from, from nine countries, streamlined trig- uh, triggering criteria on, on flight bans. Are you seeing light at the end of the tunnel for businesses in Hong Kong?
2: Well, I've said that originally I do see light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, we're expecting 2,000 uh Passengers to come back to Hong Kong residents to return home to Hong Kong after so many months uh, and uh, it's uh, it 's very very uh, anxiously everybody 's anxiously waiting for the first batch to arrive, especially I declare interest. I sit on the board of the airport authority i 'm the chairman of the business development and uh, it 's been a terrible three years actually, and so I, I do think that uh, this will really be the start of a confidence building for for the businesses here Um, they've been you know for the last three years basically we've lived with uh, Alpha Delta now Omicron and uh, the overreaction by governments you know the closure of the borders uh, between China between uh, the internationals the fact that uh, Carrie Lam just finally admitted that the international is very, very important to Hong Kong, and uh, we have to open the borders again, um, and so the fact that the flights uh, have now been—it's a start, it's a baby step—the residents returning first. Uh, I'm anxiously waiting for the international. I'm predicting, hopefully, that uh, within maybe uh, the end of uh, maybe June uh, um, or hopefully be a a little bit before that, uh, as the uh, Omnicom numbers seem to be easing right now. And uh, so hopefully Mm -hmm. the infection rates uh, will come down and and, uh, we can then start. I I think if everything goes smoothly with the residents returning home first, I think um, uh, the government has on the horizon to slowly start to open up for the international flights, similar to how she like she's done for April 21st, where restaurants, bar, uh, restaurants, uh, cl- uh, gyms can open up, and then uh, May 21st, uh, the bars, clubs, other premises can open up and hopefully by June if everything uh, is the numbers continue low and infection rates are low that uh, we'll be back back in business and so I think this summer hopefully uh, Hong Kong will be back.
0: You you mentioned that uh, Mrs. Lam has finally recognized that that people's tolerance for these restrictions is fading I'm sure you're one of the people who (laughs) have told her um, that but this is all going isn't it at a glacial pace we still don't have tourists coming back this is residents we still don't have the borders opening and mrs lamb keeps reiterating that we're going to stick to this dynamic zero um strategy it's all happening very slowly isn't it,
2: it well it is uh, i mean basically that's we can see what uh, chi- china adopts the dynamic zero they're the ones that came up with it uh in fairness the world Actually, they didn't call it dynamic zero, but when the infection was was uh, happening in in every country in the world, uh, every country was not living with it. They were doing whatever they can to suppress it. And basically, China gave a name, dynamic zero, which uh, was attributed to China and Hong Kong. Obviously. adopted that. But uh, I think that, uh, you know, once it peaks and then it starts to decrease and and businesses open up, Boris Johnson was the one that came up with the word uh, living. Now we're going to live with it. Mm -hmm. And basically Hong Kong starting April 21st and into May and June, uh, we will be living with it no matter what you want to call it. China as well. Once they open up again, when they get this uh, under control in China, uh, they'll be living with it. I don't know what you're going to call it.
0: I mean, we have this lockdown in Shanghai. It yeah. seems to be going on longer than was originally intended. Should we well, move ahead? I mean, we could go ahead, couldn't we, with a different um, strategy? If well, China's- I think the
2: government, I think Carrie's finally realizing. I think before it was kind of politically correct we have to open the border with China. And in, in fairness, we were two days away from the border opening with, with China uh, in, in January, uh, early, you know, in December, early January. And then I'm cron hit us and uh and so she it was kind of uh politically correct to uh say that the chinese borders and it's true that's our biggest trading partner and and uh the shenzhen border crossing is the most traveled border crossing in the world and Mm -hmm. so it was important that we open with china but now that china has closed down and, and because of the uh infection in in china and we don't see it I'm not sure when it can open. I'm hoping by the summer uh, they'll be able to get under control and open up, uh, and maybe the borders will open up. But I think she now sees that the international is very, very important. Many, you know, many companies are leaving. Many expats are leaving, and and they have do you think left. they
0: will come back? Um,
2: I think. As happened in '97, it's happened in 2003, and happened in, in 2019. Some companies will come back because, listen, everybody is in Hong Kong. Most of the expats are here because of China, because of the business with China, and the independent judiciary, and you know, and, and our um, our common law system, and so that's why. Companies are here, um, and so I think that uh, that's not going away. Especially with Greater Bay Area coming, uh, there's a great future for Hong Kong. And I do believe that many companies will come back uh, that have left, and then uh, some new ones come as happened, and some won't come back, and 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 that's normal. I've been here for 50 years; I've seen mm. it happen over over time. So I'm pretty confident. Uh, I've said this before. I myself can leave anytime I want, can move anywhere, but I wouldn't because I really see. Mm. Mm. Great future for Hong
0: Kong. I mean, Mrs. Lam says that companies leaving, people leaving, isn't a reflection of a lack of confidence in Hong Kong, which I find an an odd thing to say because maybe the worst thing you can do is is vote with your feet. It it (laughs) takes a lot when you've lived here for, say, 40 years to suddenly decide that you're going to take your family and leave.
2: I I think. you know, as a politician, uh, Mrs. Lamb sometimes says things that uh, maybe don't resonate well with, with the public. But I think that uh, um, at the end of the day, it, it is what it is, and, and, and people will come back. Uh, Hong Kong still is very d- dynamic. China is the fastest growing economy in the world. And as things... I uh, go back to normal. Listen, look at the rest of the world. Everybody is now living with it. The businesses in the U.S. and Europe are, are great at the moment. You know, the numbers are very, very good everywhere. And so um, I think the same thing will happen with China and Hong Kong. No different. We were just a laggard. Uh, I guess uh, we were a victim of our own success with the alpha, delta viruses, and uh, so we got a bit cocky, I guess, and, and didn't realize Omicron is totally different. It's an upper respiratory mm-hmm. disease versus the the other ones are the lung disease, and it, it transmits very, very quickly. But luckily, it's not as uh, as as uh, as infa- uh, well as as serious as the other ones. And especially uh, the big problem we made is uh, we didn't have mandatory vaccination and and the elderly, Mm -hmm. if you look at it, most of the deaths have been the unvaccinated uh, elderly in the care homes. And, And that's kind of looked bad for us, but at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, I think we now have it under control. It is seems to be decreasing, and I do see light at the end of the tunnel.
0: You've mentioned Mrs. Lamb a lot. How, how would you rate her and the government's performance over the way in which they've handled uh, this outbreak?
2: <laughs> well, I can't really give it very, very high marks because of the confusion that uh, really... Public was really had had the fill of it, uh, you know. Every government official was uh, coming out with different statements, and uh, that's what prompted me to write that famous letter <laughs> to Carrie, uh, <laughs> <to laughs> and and which went viral, unfortunately, but fortunately maybe. But it, it did work, and and I think it woke the government up, up to the fact that uh, we have to have one voice. And you can see she's on every morning at 11 a.m. I think they've learned a lot. I think for the uh, the, the election, obviously, uh, the uh, comes up. Uh, Starts uh, this uh, Sunday, um, the uh, nomination period. And May eighth is the election for the next chief executive. I think we've got a lot to learn from this uh, for future, uh, especially the health the health care system of Hong Kong. Uh, <clears throat> what to do with the bo- you know the borders, the internationalism of Hong Kong. The one good thing about. Hong Kong, the internationalism for Hong Kong, is about three weeks ago, uh, during the National People's Congress meetings in, in Beijing, uh, both uh, Xi Jinping, uh, Li Keqiang, and Han Zheng uh, warned Hong Kong that you must make sure that we keep the China, hong kong as an international financial center and uh, that was one of their three uh, edicts that they they gave to the government here and and so uh, the good thing is beijing realizes china realizes they need hong kong as one country two system and that gives me a lot of confidence uh... and i think the government maybe you know second-guessed what they thought beijing really wanted but uh... and that's why now i think uh... you see attention has suddenly turned to the internationalism. you know, the other day Let
0: me me ask you, sorry very briefly because we're running out of time, let me ask you would you support, uh, you mentioned the election, would you support Mrs. Lamb if she decides on a new term or do you think we need maybe a change in in a different direction now?
2: Well, I think, you know, in fairness, I think it's important. I am one of the voters of the 1500 election committee. So it's important to the public that uh, I really see who is running for the election and which candidates potentially will be running and then choose what I think the best candidate if there's somebody that I think is better than Carrie uh, then I will vote for that person but uh, um, you know it's hard to say at the moment when we have no candidates uh, that I know of <laughs> that are, that are going to be running so okay. once I understand for the people of Hong Kong it's important that the 1500 elect- electors really um, make the right decision
0: OK, well, thank you very much, Mr. Zeman, for coming onto the programme this morning. That's Alan Zeman, who is chairman of the Langkwai Fong Group. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Finally in the markets this morning, the ASX 200 now in Australia is flat. The Nikkei 225 in Japan, though, extending its losses down 1.4%. The Cosby is down almost 1%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to open about 300 points lower when trading gets going in just under an hour this morning. Coming up after the news, COVID updates with Janice Wong. The weather forecast, it is going to become appreciably cooler uh, today. Cloudy with a few rain patches. Temperatures are going to linger around 18 degrees during the day. And then those temperatures will drop further to a minimum of around 13 degrees. Uh, on saturday and the temperature right now 19 degrees 92 percent relative humidity strong monsoon signal is in force <laughs> times 833 here's andrew shirosky with the half hour news thank you peter the western half of the
1: mainland's financial hub shanghai has gone into lockdown the start of a second phase of a plan to curb the spread of covid aaron tam reports
2: The eastern part of Shanghai has been locked down since Monday, with the stay-at-home measure originally planned to be lifted at 5 a.m. today. However, the city government said late on Thursday it would lift the curbs in stages instead. Residents living in buildings where positive cases were found will remain under lockdown for 10 more days. Those in the same compound or neighbourhood will face shorter extensions. Now the residents of the areas west of the city's Huangpu River will have to stay at home until next Tuesday. This has prompted residents in those areas to scramble to stock up on groceries.
1: A risk consultant says police have had difficulty filling vacancies since the 2019 social unrest when they were on the front lines of tackling anti-government protesters. Steve Vickers, CEO of Steve Vickers and Associates, says it's smart to widen the pool of recruits to outside Hong Kong. He was commenting after the force announced that permanent residents could apply for police jobs without having lived here for at least seven years. Mr. Vickers said, in the current economic climate, people might be looking for a more secure job, or iron rice bowl. It'll bring people with different experiences, maybe better language skills
2: if they're being picked up from universities around the world, at least at the inspectorate level. And I think it'll help fill the slots. We're approaching, I think, a very serious international recession.